Viva la France! Wee oui, wee oui, wee oui, and welcome to classic movie banter. Bonjour, bonjour. Be our guest. Uh, welcome <laughs> to classic movie banter. You know that podcast where me, that one Aussie guy Brenton, and that other Aussie guy Nathan. A croissant. We talk about films that are twenty years or older, or in this case, no, exactly twenty years. You bloody know it, mate. Uh, and we <laughs> tell you if they're still worth watching today or not, and more importantly, if they're worth getting all those friends around, probably on a Thursday night, if you're all three all free and uh having a little old watcheroo get some popcorn get some snails <laughs> get some, some cognac go just like <laughs> yeah. i would love it for, if like you feel like all your french friends unironically just had like french food for when they watch movies like they don't, don't they don't bother with popcorn they're like we will eat the snail i feel like i feel like i'm being a bit stereotypical but at the same time the movie we're talking about today i feel is a bit stereotypical ah, as well isn't it it hits, though? Some, hits hits hit some tropes and some stereotypes uh so what film could we possibly talking about that is 20 years or older well, well let, let me, me uh, let me give the listeners some backstory here so you okay. know this year this year we decided you know to listen to you listeners more and we want to take suggestions that you guys say and so sophie wrote into the show and she said hey can you guys do some more foreign films i want to know what some of the best ones are to watch right so you and i sat down brenton thanks sophie for running in by the way want to get in touch send us an email anyway sophie wrote into us all i'm like great brenton what are some foreign films you and i have not yet reviewed mm. and top of our list <laughs> top of our list was amelie and the reason like the French film Amelie is on top of our list is for a couple of reasons. One, it's like the highest grossing French film, I think, still in the world. Like, I think globally. I think is it's it? made, I think it's made the is most it? money. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, man. And this came out like 20 years ago. So there's one, there's that. Two, Brent and I went to the same high school. And so I don't know if you recall this, Brenton, but you probably do. But the poster for this film <laughs> was like plastered outside like one of the French classrooms for like years. And I don't think you and yeah. I had any context for this movie besides the poster, correct? Yeah, totally. The poster, I feel like this poster has followed me around for years. Yeah. I saw it's it. It's everywhere, like, obviously man. Obviously, it was on. The, it was on that classroom and it was gathering dust. It looked a bit moldy, but it yeah. was always it's probably there. probably when the film came out. But I also remember walking into, here's a, here's a, here's a blast from the past, oh, but we're we kind of a retro podcast, I guess. Uh, I went into a blockbuster. Oh, beautiful, uh, mate. And my, and my local one on the Gold Coast back in the day had this copy of Amelie that was always like kind of on one of the front stands, which I think was like obviously like an international film section. Right, right? yeah. But, and so obviously Amelie's just like front and center all the time. Yeah, and you and when that face is looking at you on the box art, you can't help but look back. I think I'll reserve kind of what I used to think this movie was based on the poster for the poster chat. Yeah. So I'll save it for then. Yeah. But uh but yeah, that's why we're talking about it. Uh so so yeah, please write in with any suggestions for more foreign films if you want us to do that, if you like the content today. Uh, and if you don't, obviously don't suggest those. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> suggest something better. But here we are, Brent, and here we are. We've we've gone to Paris and uh, you know, we're standing on top of the Eiffel Tower. It's it's a high fall, so be careful, mate. Don't stand too close to the edge. Oh. There's no there's no protective fencing on top of no. the Eiffel Tower. Like, you know, you gotta you gotta stay well inside. No, obviously not. Nathan, just a few a, few, a few quick facts. Uh, oh, yes, Emily please. was released obviously yeah, yeah, was obviously released in 2001 in in France. Wait, wait. I feel like it had an international release the year after, but that's okay. That's right. People saw it eventually. On top of that, it was directed by Nathan. This is where 
I've got to admit something. Oh, okay. If we're going to talk about the French experts on the show, it's definitely you. Like, you are obviously oh, stop quite, it. Stop it. quite French. Just because I love a good pun or chocolat doesn't mean I'm a French expert, mate. Stop it. Oh, settle down there, mate. But <laughs> it's... So, if I butcher if I butcher this name, please forgive me, listeners, okay. as well as... And especially Nathan. Uh, so, it's Jean-Pierre, which is, you Perfect, know... Yeah. that that makes That makes sense. And then it's... Jeunet, which is J-E-U-N-E-T. Yeah, Jeunet, that's it. Would hey, you, you bloody nailed it. Well done. All what right, you, sweet. Mate? I'm just checking. You've been to Paris. Yeah, because like, you know, when I... I could have opened the show and I could have said, today we're re- reviewing that French movie, Amélie. <laughs> Amélie, there she goes. Watch her. She's <laughs> she's left the country. Amélie, come back here. Bloody hell, I loved Amélie. That oh, was a bloody corker. That would be... Oh, I just thought of a great special... Could I throw in an extra special segment right here and now that we can do later on? Absolutely. Can we have the special segment, should there be an Australian version of this movie? Yes, I love this segment. Are we going to do it now? Are we gonna let's, do let's not do it, it uh, right now. Let's do it when we get to special segments. Brenton, you remind me. Sounds good. Or listeners, you remind us if we've forgotten. (laughs) But we're going to do it when the special segments rock up. Perfect. Let's do it. But for now, speaking of things (laughs) we're doing, Nathan, could you please pitch me a melee? Can you pitch me the movie? All right. Well, <laughs> obviously you've just gone off your Qantas flight here in Paris. So uh, let's uh, go up to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Look, look at the view, Brenton. Look at where we are. We're in Paris, the city of love. No, Brenton, keep your distance. All right. Now look at the view and uh, see see in the distance that kind of white chapel kind of thing. That's uh. Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 mate. Not not the ruins of Notre Dame. Point a little bit further up. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh. it. So, ah, yeah. yes. That is Montmartre. And uh, that is a very famous, you know, building in Paris. And you know what, Brenton? I'm so in love with this building and this area of Montmartre. I reckon we should make a whole film based on this one little suburb. And we're going to court Amelie. Now, Brenton, have you seen the Simpsons episode where a bunch of local citizens make some short films? It's not springing to mind. Oh, really you know, sp- Molman gets, like, kicked in the nuts by a football, you know. Barney says he's oh, an yeah, alcoholic. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Springfield makes a bunch of short films. Okay, what if we did that but in the suburb of Montmartre, where, like, in Paris, we watch all these different French people kind of fucking about with their lives and, you know, just, just getting up to, <laughs> you know, just getting up to some, some antics and whatnot. And in the middle of it, Brenton, is this woman, Emily. You know, she's an introvert. She's had a very uh, colourful life. And she she wants to stop being an introvert, Brenton, don't we all? She wants to kind of crack out of her shell and find some love <laughs> and 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 get to know her neighbours, you know? Yeah, she's like she's like us a few years ago, but we decided to fix that by starting a podcast. The most introverted activity of all. <laughs> so uh, rather, rather than start a podcast since it's the year 2001, Emily decides not to do that. <laughs> and uh, Actually, I think it's like in the late 90s from memory. 97? So yeah, it's um, it's yeah, she's yeah, yeah, it is. It she's is, going yeah. around Paris. She's in a color saturated version of it, and uh, oh boy, is she just she's meddling in things that she'd never meddled before, and <laughs> she's she's <laughs> hooking up neighbors. She's she's befriending old people. She's she's all just you know dipping her fingers in all sorts of pies. So that's that's Emily. She's she's getting to know her city of Paris. Nathan, by the way you describe this, I'm not sure if it's a horror film or <laughs> yeah. like. <laughs> It's uh it's it's allegedly a comedy. So like, you know, it's 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 French people being very silly and oh boy, is it French. The language is French, the city is French. Uh <laughs> the you know the the, the character language is French. <laughs> That's that's the movie. It's all oh. French, mate. The subtitles are even French. Like you know, everything's. French. <laughs> Thankfully, not. It would be too French, frankly. So here we are. Here we are. We're enamoured with France and this nation. And yeah, what what more can you say? Viva la France. 
Oh, that'd be good for title talk. Actually, be a great title. But anyway, that's that's Emily. Uh, okay, so you say that there's shenanigans going on, yes. basically, and and you said Emily's fucking about with with the various <laughs> locals, <laughs> more or less, mate. Is this, is this is this in a positive light? Is she, you know, is she trying to, ah! I don't know, be a good member? Or is she? She's like, she's like, she's very shy, right? So she's like. Okay, feck, I'm Emily and I'm shy. How do I stop being shy? So she's like, you know what? All these other French fuckers who live around me, they're all pretty shy too. Or they're they're all facing issues, right? If I can help them overcome their issues, by golly, I'll probably overcome my issues. So, you know, help help them to help me to help you, you know, that kind of thing. So, okay. It's for the good. It's for the greater good. Okay, I I gotcha. As long as she means well, I was just checking. She does mean well. It sounded like this was like bloody um, Hannibal Lecter's like origin story or something. I mean, (laughs) I I wish that would be great. I would. I would. I would absolutely love Jodie Foster to rock up, but sadly, no. It's uh, we're just we're just we're having a day in the life of Paris, mate. You know, we're watching like okay, people okay. work at market stalls. We're watching some creepy old fucker film his neighbors through a window. It's 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 French, mate. Get around it. Okay, I'll take your word for it, and I'll give it a watch. Well, look at that. I've already oh, watched well. it. Nathan, now comes that point in the show where I ask you, what what the frickity frack did you think of the film? So, Nathan, thoughts on Emily? Like, what's what's going on in that brain of yours? Because I'm, I'm dying to know. I, you know what, Brenton? You know what? I hyped up this movie a little bit. Because, you know, like, I... We've we've seen this poster for years, and you know what posters rarely yeah. stick with me at the end of the day. But this fucker did because like the, when you people probably know this poster more than the movie because it's just Emily staring at you with some weird ass fucking look, like she just like robbed a bank or something, right? Like well. well I- well, I'd like to continue on that on that thought and say that not only was the poster obviously quite distinct, and yes, I I, I did have the thought of the the robbery as well and the SWAT team coming in to save the day. But all I hear about this movie is how good it is. Universal praise, exactly. That I've never heard a bad word spoken about. Let me tell you a fucking story. All right, I've travelled sometimes, <laughs> and like whenever I do, when I bump into French people, they're always like, "Oh, you know French, Nathan? Here I am, a French person. Let's talk about things we share in common." You. Must must love French cinema. And I'm like, oh, I've seen a handful of French films for sure. What a good time. And the first fucking film they always mention is Emily, right? And they're like, oh, j'adore Emily. I love Emily. And they're like, you must love Emily. And every fucking time they mention this, I'm like, okay, look, I love French cinema, but I haven't seen Emily. And they proceed to slap me across the face going, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, watch Emily. And they're like, okay, I will. Do they suddenly drop their French language as well and just go straight into English and say, they drop the pretense. What the fuck? Is wrong They're like, you. he is not one of us. He does not know Emily. <laughs> they cast me out. No accent. The way you did it was perfect. They just drop everything. Like, there's no accent. There's nothing. just like, what the fuck is wrong with <laughs> you? <laughs> I'm like, I've seen Ratatouille. They're like, that is not French. <laughs> and they just, they bloody boot me out of the room. So, so Brenton, here I am, hoping to be finally accepted by the French community by watching renowned film, Emily. So, here we are, Brenton, having seen renowned film, Emily. <laughs> Just, just get into it, dude. Rip off the band-aid. Like, what do you think? What the fuck is this movie? Like, <laughs> like this is just, like, ah. Oh, like, I watched this. Look, I, I need to process this, Brenton, because, like, I watched this maybe, like, I, I watched it at the start of the week, so I've actually had some time to fucking think about this. And I'm as, nice. I am, like, equally confused as I am now as I was at the start of this. And I feel like I'm going to like it more. Over time, I feel like I'm going to think about it more and I'm going to be like, oh, I get it. But this is a difficult film, Brenton. Where are you sitting, mate? Like, did you like it? Was it a hot mess? Like, did you dislike it? Like, it's not a hot mess. I've got a few things to say. Like, oh, good. I think I thought that you were going to kind of clear my point of view, but it sounds like you're just as fucking confused as me. So let's get into it. Because confused is the right verb, man. Like, going into this, I wasn't sure what 
the tone was going to be. I just knew, like, you know, obviously it was a French film. It was very yeah. famous. We knew nothing going in. When everyone loves it, I was, like, expecting something that's that was feel good. And I think that's the intent, to make something that's, like, super feel good. Yeah. And I would say that it probably succeeds on that level, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways. Mm. So, like, this movie is one of those movies that I think was designed in a way, you know, if you're... If you're feeling down and you watch this movie, it's meant to pick you back up again. It's meant to pick you back up again and, and set you on the right path and get you out in the world and, and do some good. That's yes. the idea, right? So yeah, I think it, I think it largely succeeds on that premise, but there's just some weird there's just some weird shit in it at the same time. Yeah, it makes you finally feel better, but it makes you feel better by the end of it because you've stopped watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> what a thing to say. But yeah, I think structurally it's really kind of interesting. I think like the editing's kind of awesome. I think that obviously they've done a lot of work with the colors in it and there's various oh, reasons why they've... The editor is very excited to have discovered color correction in 2001. I'll tell you that. Exactly, yeah. No, but I, I think that obviously that's for a reason. It's meant to evoke, you know, the, the artwork and whatnot that's... That, that's in the film. Obviously, I think the leading performance is pretty good from the actress that plays Emily. Yeah, it's Lady Jesus. There she is. Yeah, I think... From Da Vinci Code herself, Audrey Tauto. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Jesus, she's back. Yeah. There's a lot of good going on. Where I'm confused is this. Yes. It's one of the... So, because it's a foreign movie, and I don't want to shit on it because, like, I have to read subtitles, but I'm going to shit on it because I have to read subtitles. <laughs> this is my first... This is my first criticism. I would have loved... I would love to be like you, Nathan, and to understand the French language because the editing in this at some points is like viscerally fast. Like it's so oh, fast. Yeah. You're it's like, you know, you're doing very choppy. Yeah. And it's meant to be so, but it's meant to also because like the images move fast. So when you stop on an image, like you can kind of go, Oh, that's nice. And that's really pretty. But I can never like understand the filmmaker's intention in that point of view, because I've got to read fucking subtitles the whole time when like yes. the frame, like the shots. And are- this is a dialogue heavy film. Like there is a lot exactly. of reading. Like- I also got the feeling that the subtitles, I don't know, the translation I was watching, that there was some lost in translation moments. Yeah, man. Like it was, wasn't bad, but like there was some sentences I was like, oh. A lot of the film's humor comes from randomness and from being quirky by being yeah. random. It's like this is yep. this is bloody Emily. She used to collect raccoons, but then you know one decided to make love with a ferret, and now here she is. Like like just like random shit. Like yeah, wait, yeah. wait and you're like, is this what they're trying to say in French? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But I don't mind that. I I understood that it was trying to be a bit. It was it was being a bit strange because it sets up that Emily has a uh, visceral imagination. Yes, and and she she because she was so introverted and so lonely, like her imagination was her key to the world, and so like shit gets weird sometimes. <laughs> apparently, like you know, and you're like, oh yeah, cool. Uh, and shit does get weird at some points. It gets and very weird. I don't mind that. I just think as well, the other thing I'd like to probably... I, it's it's On one hand, I want to praise it, but on the other hand, I want to criticize it. One, I like that this movie's like basically two hours long, but it doesn't feel two hours long. Yeah, it's well paced. It's well paced. But the, the format is interesting. Like you said, you yes. mentioned at the start, this is like a bunch of short films that are put together. Like, this could have just been a television series about some girl that just goes around and, like, tries to do good and just meddles with people's lives and, you know. Emily in Paris. Like, Emily in Paris. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mind that. I like the character enough, but I feel like it doesn't earn where we leave this character. No. Um, and also, it's it's very interesting for an introverted character to be so hyper as a movie. Normally with, like, introverted characters traditionally in cinema, not that you don't have to do this, but, like, normally it no, gives no. those characters, like, quiet moments, and we normally kind of... It, it does, like, the... Sh- this is... Oh, this is one of those fucking annoying movies that tells, not shows. It just tells us that Emily, yeah. Emily is, like, isolated. And it tells us all these character motivations. That t- like, there's narration in this movie, and, like, it just tells and yeah. tells and tells. And, like, it doesn't use cinema to its fullest power to kind of 
visually showed that. And so it kind of, you know, sacrifices these quiet moments for the sake of being random and quirky and going, ha, Paris is a crazy place. And like, Emily's just trying to bloody find her way through the city. And it's like, I just, it just doesn't, the, the mood of the movie doesn't match the mood of its protagonist, who's deeply trenched in depression because she wants to find some connection to these people. Yeah, see, I, th- I think you were kind of hitting gold on the fact that, like, I like that it doesn't do that. I like that it doesn't go, I guess, like, you know, like for me, like, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think it's doing the opposite, but I think it might be doing the opposite for a reason. Mm. So I don't mind that. And I think it's, I think it's successful in part, but don't know if I'd necessarily watch this again. Yeah. I feel like I would, I would like it more if I did watch it again. I feel like I'd understand it more. I feel like this is one of those movies you have to rewatch to really get it. Cause there's a lot going on in the first watch, man. But I feel like, I feel like at the same time that the people that love this movie saw this and it like changed their lives. You know Probably, what I mean? Probably, yeah. I feel like they watched it once and were like, holy shit, that just made me feel so good and that I could, you know, like, yeah. I'm Emily. I'm this person, you know. Well, that- that's the thing, maybe. Maybe that's where you and yeah. I fall flat because, like, you know, we we both run a podcast. You know, we're not exactly introverted ourselves. And I think this is probably one of the best films I've seen that gives an insider to the introverted experience. I agree. I think that's, yeah, totally. I, I totally think it nails that. And as one well. thing yeah. I really love about it is that Emily, Emily fucking struggles to like overcome her introvertedness. Like yeah. she we see her try like eight times to try and just do this one thing and she just keeps falling flat on her face because like just herself gets, gets yeah. in the way. And like I, I I remember feeling so frustrated with the movie, being like, Oh, why can't she just do this one bloody goal? And I'm like, Oh wait, no, that's the point. Like, we're meant to see yeah. FL repeatedly, and I'm like, oh, okay. Totally. So I respect the film for that. And, like, I love like, Emily's character arc. I think it's fantastic throughout this movie. Yeah. But everything else that complements it is just so completely incongruent, it just doesn't echo the wider theme. This is my this is my next thing. So Emily's a character is great, right? Yes. We like Emily. The titular character. They do her right, yeah. Whether or not we like the structure and, and whatnot and, you know, what's going on, I think is because the side characters aren't as strong. No. The side, the side characters are kind of, like, there's a few of them that you're like, oh, I like this story. They're doing something with some of them, like... Yeah, and there's other stories that I'm just like, meh. Yeah. That didn't need to be in the movie. Do you want to name names? Are there any, are there any characters you're like, oh, I don't give a shit about this? Or... Well, for instance, okay, so the first thing she really does is, like, you know, there's, like, there's this... I don't want to spoil it completely, but there's, you know, there's a, there's the owner of uh, said box, right? That that has this moment. And I liked that. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I was... I thought that was, wow, that was really, really strong. And then, you know... You know, we kind of follow up with a few other ones that I was just kind of left feeling a bit lukewarm on. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I was just like, well, it's like, you know, we're meant to invest in this relationship, for instance, oh, right? Oh, Jesus. The cafe relationship I had no yeah, patience exactly. for. I just don't care about either of them. <sighs> I don't care what Emily's seeing, like, to be honest. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, okay, I guess. Yeah, it's like... Sorry, I'm trying to be vague as well. Yeah, like, I know. It's because it's like, there are spoilers involved with this. I guess the one real issue with these side characters, right, is that for a lot of the movie, we don't really know what the overall goal of the movie is per se except for Emily just trying to help people and we don't really find that until maybe like 40 minutes in so it takes a while for you to realise that the film kind of heads in a romantic direction that this is kind of a movie about love for a bunch of different characters yeah. whether it's about them loving themselves or finding love with someone else and it's yeah. pretty much evenly split as to which one who picks what so like if I knew that going in maybe I'd have a little bit more patience for it going oh okay no it, the movie wants us to invest in all these different relationships but when you realise that it's only really Emily's the counts that I, like, it kind of makes you just drop everything else because like when it comes to like the shopkeeper with the fruit and when it comes to the old man with the camera I'm just like you're just all <laughs> random fuckers it's just like it's just I like I, I love how you keep mentioning the old man with the camera because of course you do like fucking hell like what a, what a time he was and like and Jesus and also this is the most French bloody thing I've seen by the way I'm going to say a lot of things are French this episode little, little PSA I 
I promise I'm not trying to be stereotypical or racist against the French, but I'm just saying some things they are doing are French. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think that this is, like, in a lot of ways, being stereotypically French. I it do. is. It's propagating a very French image. You're like, well, this is exactly what I think, oh. you know, of, I've never been to France, but this is exactly what I think Jesus. like what France would be Every like. Every fucking time Emily walks into a room, everyone offers her wine. I'm like, come on, people. But here's the thing. At the same time, I think that some of the characters have good depth and surpass their stereotypical frame. Later on, yeah, but boy, do you have to run a marathon to get there. But others don't. Others are just, he's, uh, he's stereotypical Frenchie, and you're like, uh, I, okay, I, like, really? Uh. I don't know. These other characters were so strong. Why do we have to sp- spend time with you? <laughs> you know? I know. It's just like, like, it's, it's like, there are arcs that are introduced that don't really go anywhere, like with her and her father, or yep. like with the yep. woman and, um, getting her love letter from her husband, who's a strange, like, like stuff like that. It's just like, yep. you're just like, why is this, all? like, it just feels random for the sake of being random, and I feel like so much this director is trying to be like Wes Anderson but like like a French kind of like quirkier version of Wes Anderson if such a thing were possible yeah okay well let's that's a good segue so let's let's get into the the filmmaking so obviously yes. I've spoken about the editing briefly and I feel like I couldn't appreciate it as much because of the subtitle issue which was a shame because I think what they're doing is really really great but by the way this is the first time you and I have mentioned subtitles we've reviewed a bunch of different foreign films so like yeah totally yeah it's not it's not the subtitles I have the issue no. with it's the fact that I can't enjoy the film at its I guess peak because the film editing is so fast paced and yeah. it's done that for a reason I think I would love it Princess Mononoke was fast but we didn't have to like you know yeah. pause the movie just to read every fucking sentence but I f- that's it and I feel like I just couldn't I couldn't appreciate the filmmaking because I was reading fucking subtitles and it was really pissing me off yes. like to be perfectly honest like and it wasn't it wasn't like <laughs> I gotta be honest it's because it they were in French Brenton had to translate on the spot <laughs> it, it detracted uh, it just detracted my experience shit uh, from- what's the English word for croissant <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like the thought of like you like with like a really thick French dictionary in front of you in front of like the TV, just like just frantically flipping between pages like shit. <laughs> what are they on about? I guess the frustration with that though was that the visuals are just so striking and kind of beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I was annoyed that I didn't get to enjoy it as I probably would like to. So that's something else I'd like to compliment is that like, obviously we've talked about, t- talked about the colors, but the cinematography is quite good. Yeah, it's the, well shot. Uh, the editing, like I said, is really good. It's um the music's quite French, but it, it, it suits, you know, the, the vibe of what's going yeah. on. Yeah, the music's fine. Um, yeah, it feels, it feels like you're taking a holiday almost in, in Paris. Wait, wait, you're just waiting for Owen Wilson to stumble on by being like, oh, wow, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> There's Ernest Hemingway. Wow. <laughs> That'd be so fucking funny. Emily's just sprinted down the street and bumps into Owen Wilson. I'd love it. <laughs> here's, a, here's a tangent for you, Nathan. That's a question, really. Yeah. It, it stems from this one question because obviously you chose during your schooling to invest in the French lifestyle, invest in the language, invest, to invest in the culture. So this, so this presents quite an idyllic view of France, of the French. This is the thing for me. France... It's never quite appealed to me right. for whatever reason. I, I, if I did some deep meditation, I could probably put. Uh, <laughs> if I entered a real deep mind state, I could tolerate going to Paris. No, no, I mean like to figure out why I'm not like on, right. Why you're not enamored with the city? Yeah, everyone seems to fucking love Paris, and I'm just yeah, like, I, I, I've never been, but I don't really get it. Maybe I have to go to get it, but I don't really want to go. So can you can you pitch it's, me Paris? Oh, like, can you, all right, I'll pitch you the city of Paris, <laughs> the most, one of the most visited cities in the world. Oh, why won't you visit it? Can you? talk about what attracts you to to this culture to this country to this city look i've been around i've been around europe a little bit and like 
I've been, I've been a, a handful of the capital cities in Europe and all that kind of stuff, and Paris is my favourite. And, like, I think the reason I love Paris, and it has nothing to do with the fact I learned French, it's like, as a city, it's just, it's it's kind of the same, okay, we, we've both been to New York, and, like, there's something about New York that's yeah, almost yeah. really difficult to articulate. It's, like, something that you get when you get there, and there's an energy that you feel. France, uh, sorry, Paris feels so different to New York. Paris, when you walk around, uh, at least in the left bank, because also it's a huge fucking city, there's lots of different suburbs, you know, it's, like, trying to say yeah. cool and gather is like Narang. It's, like, they're both on the Gold Coast, but they're not the same thing great reference yeah everyone, everyone's gonna get that one yeah <laughs> so um but you know what I mean? like but that's the thing like with at least for me like walking around paris you feel more creative you feel more artistic you feel like you're part of something bigger like like you walk around and you feel this this romanticism that is just so absent from the mm. rest of the world like and it's not and, it's, and like you know vienna arguably is a city of love but i think what paris does better than vienna is that it has like the french the french are very stubborn in a way, right? They're very known for being stubborn and they're being very thorough people. You know, we've got these great philosophers from France. You know, they're very big thinkers, the French people. So, like, when you walk around the streets of Paris, it's not uncommon just to see people passionately engaged in conversation and and really, like, like people really stop you on the street if you're local and, like, really get the time of day from you. There's something, there's a deep community that you just can't shake there. And I don't know, it kind of, it, it's it's almost like walking around an old university, but imagine a whole city's like that. Like, mm. it's akin to my kind of, like, yeah. when you first go to um, Edinburgh, but then also it's accompanied by this like oh smooth language mate and this this amazing f- I, feel, I sound like Rumley from Ratatouille now I'm just gonna start like biting into some cheese but I don't know man like again you kind of have to be there to feel it and like and this movie in many ways is a love letter to Paris yeah and also an area of Paris that actually isn't that nice if you ever go to Montmartre it's like on the right side of Paris and it's like it's not that nice of a suburb like especially today yeah so like you can't it's kind of it's I don't know it's not the Compton of, of, of Paris but it's it's certainly like this underground ground there's this real kind of edge art movement that's always going on there. So if if you're with people that are used to meeting some very weird okay, here's the thing. When you're when you're in the area of Paris that Emily is in, there's a lot of weird people there. And there's like as in like just like they've all got weird <laughs> stories and they're all kind of left to center. So in a way, this film is a perfect reflection of that. So I can see why, you know, the filmmaker chose to do this. But again, don't think Montmartre is Paris. Like, it's just one kind of slice of it. I don't know if any of that made sense. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I like, coming into this episode, I really wanted to pick your brains about this because yeah. I need to go because I, I don't necessarily get it yet. But here's the thing. I don't think this is the movie that introduces you to Paris because it's like... No, no, I'm not I'm not saying the movie needs to necessarily. I think that the movie gave a good insight, like you said, into a part of part of uh, Paris and, a, and, like, a community, yeah. basically. It's, right? like, it's like... Which is fine. And it's like a, it's a it's a community like you said that is left of center and whatnot. But my my bigger question to that is because obviously everyone talks about this as like the French movie. Then I'm like, okay, so what is about France and what is about this city and this language and this culture that you love? Because like I've never actually had this conversation with you. Like this is a massive part of of your life, dude. We've never really talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know when I learned. Okay, here's the well, the reason I learned French back in the private school that you and I went to. We had three languages that we could choose. Right? We had Chinese, Japanese, and French. And I'm like. <laughs> And and little twelve year old Nath was like, this is, I can't believe I'm saying this on air. But like twelve year old Nath at the time, genuinely, I thought, which one will get me girls? <laughs> like out of the three, I thought, oh, well, French probably sounds the sexiest. And like when you're twelve as well, you're doing anything to talk to a girl at that point. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll learn French. It's it's to be fair, it's a it's a heck of a language in the sense of because uh, the other two language options we had were Japanese and and Chinese at at the school we went yeah. to. Unfortunately, there was no Latin or anything like that. But but Nathan or or Spanish even. But Nathan, here's the thing. What what you said about the language is is totally spot on. When you hear the language, it's like it's so fluent, it's so pretty. 
It's so it's like the musical term legato. It's just like ooh, ooh it's and it just kind of washes over you. It's smooth. Like a it's French long and bakery, smooth, man. Like yeah, yeah, like a like a croissant a before it's been baguette. like rolled up. You oh, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the croissant when they roll it up, the pastry. Ooh, but here's the thing. Obviously, I didn't take French in school. Nathan, let me tell you, the language I chose was not fluent and long. Let me tell you that much, <laughs> mate. It's it, it's 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 not long and smooth. It's like uh, sorry, fluent is the right word. It's, long, it's not long and smooth. It's uh, it's something else. But um, here's the thing: like when it came to like our options as well, French was the most international, right? Because only J- only the Japanese speak, you know, Japanese, and only the Chinese speak Chinese. Whereas like French, like you know, they they're the colonizers, you know, so much of the world spoke French. It's all over Europe. It's on bloody what do you what's New Caledonia? They got Africa, man. And like you know, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your neighbor's probably French. You know, look out the window. So like, they're bloody everywhere. And like, you know, it's <laughs> look out the window. <laughs> you'll probably <laughs> you'll probably see some French person if you just look out your window. Oh wait, you're right. Oh, they're breaking in. Oh, no. so, <laughs> when Breton started Les Mis, he was like, oh, finally my people. So <laughs> it was. <laughs> so yeah. So like, I don't know. I was attracted to the language and like, and you know, and there's cool French people out there, man. It's like, and some of my favorite films are French. You know, I love The Untouchables. I love I Lost My Body. I love. But one of my favorite films ever is Amour, which I just can't stop raving about. Yeah. Like, it's so fucking excellent. So like, going into this one here, going into Amelie, I'm like, maybe because like. The English-speaking world only knows maybe, like, 10 French films at best. So maybe Emily does kind of rank. And it's probably the most accessible. But, like, honestly, there's better shit out there, man, when it comes to French cinema. I, I would say you're right. I think there's better stuff out there. But at the same time, my biggest positive I took away from this is what I kind of started my thoughts with, which is I think this movie is a is still quite a pick-me-up. You know what I mean? Like, at the yeah. end of this movie, I was like, oh, I feel like I've come a long way and I feel, like, really good to take on the world. Like, that's great. Yeah. But at the same time, I couldn't shake the feeling of the, the yucky feeling linked to some of the criticisms I had towards this movie. Like, I wasn't mm. fully satisfied, but I was satisfied enough. There's other movies I'd probably watch for a feel-good time. But like I said, I still think this is serviceable in that regard, and I get why people love it. Yeah. I just don't love it as much. I still like it, but like you said, there's better stuff out there. Here's the thing as well. It took me a while to work out what this movie was actually about. And like, there's a line at the end of the movie that it finally nailed it on the coffin for me. And I do want to say it in the non-spoilers, because there's a character in the cafe at the end who says, life is a long rehearsal for a show that will never play. And that was when it clicked for me. When I'm like, oh, this movie is about having these dreams and having these goals and having these things and kind of getting lost on the way. And that's kind of what life is. Like, it's kind of just living between here and there. And like, there is always going to be just there and never here, if that makes sense. And like, and Audrey is making peace with that. And she's trying to get people who are here to there. And I respect the film for that. And I do think there is a thesis to it, but Christ, does it take too long to get there? See, I don't mind that. Like, I love the opening of this movie and I like... And you're right. The whole point is is that it's got to find its way before it kind of reveals its its goods. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Which it, kind it, of is reflective of the theme as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so it nails that. Like, it's nailing, it's nailing what it's setting out to do, like I said initially. It's just I feel that there were some detracting elements that detracted from my personal experience with the film. And uh, yeah, but like you said, I still really respect it and I think... And I like it. I still really like it. And is it worth a watch? Yeah, let's write. It. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? You go first. I'm I'm still oh, excited, sorry. I'm yeah, it's it's really tricky for me, man. Like, I don't know. I I, I do want to give the film props with like, you know, getting to understand the introverted, because this probably is the best I've seen it do that. So like, oh, it's it is tough, man. Would I recommend this to my mates on a Thursday? Oh, probably not. Because also here's the thing, you have to pay attention, man. Like, this is a film that yeah. especially if you don't speak French, you have to you you have a novel to read. Like, like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's a little bit 
purely subjectively, it's a little bit too irreverent for me. I'm so used to the French people make great comedies and great dramas, but I'm kind of used to the drama side of things. So like, I don't know, I was kind of hoping for this film to have a little bit more weight and like, I don't know, like mm. most of the movies on this show, it's the screenplay that always kind of chips away from me, whether I get my thumb up or down. I kind of want to say, you know what? When I finished it, I was going to say no, especially not as an introduction to French cinema. Like, watch The Untouchables. Watch watch them more. Watch Mr. Bean's Holiday. I mean, like, Watch seriously. Mr. Bean's Holiday. That's a great movie, mate. It's got Willem <laughs> Dafoe. It's set of France. It's great. It's unironically excellent. It's so fucking good. Oh. It saddens me that we have to wait another six fucking years before we get to talk about Mr. Bean's Holiday. Because it's so fucking excellent. Oh. Hey, we could probably talk about the Bean movie, which is the one where he goes to fucking oh, LA. Yeah, it's a guy like the Mona Lisa or whatever it is, but like, nah. I want to talk about Mr. Bean's Holiday. It's so fucking good, man. Oh, I love Mr. Bean's Holiday. <laughs> Just every scene is iconic in that movie, man. Like, oh. <laughs> That's a good French movie. <laughs> Just watch that with a French dub. That's what you should be watching instead. Its representation of Khan is probably the funniest thing, like, ever. <laughs> it's so... They all sing on the beach at the end. That's what they all do. Uh... It's so funny, dude. Like... Man, and also just like the whole like film festival part with Willem Dafoe's film oh. is perhaps one of the one of the, just the greatest moments ever. Like it's just, just so funny. Yeah, there's so many, yeah, you're so right. There's so many iconic moments in that in that film. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the iconic film Amelie. Yeah. Uh, would I give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Yeah, it's a hard one because uh, I walked away from this still not knowing whether it was a thumbs up or thumbs down, but I knew I liked it, so I might stick with that and give it its due and give it a thumbs up. But would I, here's the thing: it depends. Who I'm recommending it to because yeah. my friends if I'm going to be like you know friends and fam let's pop on a movie for a movie night I'm not going to put on this movie it's just not no. going to happen unless unless, unless I'm like you know you do an exchange to France you're like oh hello French fam <laughs> let's watch this one but funnily enough Nathan the person I'd recommend this film to is actually the only person I can think of is you ah! <laughs> so and you don't know who to recommend it to either or if you if you uh, I've got French friends but honestly like you know Australian people don't just watch Australian films French people don't, watch, don't just watch French films it's like no it's, I'm not so, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when I watched this, I was like, who would I, who do I know that would appreciate yeah. this? And you spring to mind. Like, but like, honestly, like, even if you like the French language or you're in love with Paris, like, I don't know. Watch Ratatouille if you want to see it. Like, watch Midnight in Paris. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. You want to see Love Letters to Paris, man. Like, and like, yeah, it's a Love Letter to Paris, but it's, I don't know. I feel like this is more about the people than the city, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. It's about that community. Yeah. So like, this movie could be set anywhere. Like, yes, it's, it, I, I'm baffled. There hasn't been more adaptation done like Italy or like Germany or something like that because it could work yeah but I haven't forgotten our little Australian special segment Brenton it's coming up so uh, until then we yeah. should probably spoil this movie wait what do we rate it What? what I, I'm still confused oh Did you give it a my thumb was down thumbs man down? my thumb was down I said fuck okay. it yeah. I, okay I'm gonna give it respect and I'll give it a thumbs up so that we we meet in the middle because uh, like okay. I'm probably I don't know like I still don't know and I feel like if we have one thumb up one thumb down I'm, I'm kind of happy with that All can right. we agree on that I guess we can agree to disagree just you what a very diplomatic answer. Imagine. Yeah, we're at, the, we're at the French embassy in Sydney. We're like, please, we just, we just, we just want a visa. We, we like Emily. We promise. Uh, let's spoil the shit out of this one. Oh, I'm ready, man. You spoiled it. What? The movie. Oh. So I kind of want to start at the start. I really like how we were introduced to... I think this film did the whole introduction to like this person's whole life really well. Like a lot of other movies take a lot... Do this... Sim, do a similar type of thing of like editing of like, oh, let's try and show the childhood up to like now, right? Yeah. Like, all the backstory, right? I think this movie did it really well. Where it was really well paced. It was in like very creatively put together, edited. Uh, there was some good transitions and whatnot. 
whatnot. And in terms of the tone, it was kind of establishing, you know, this weird vibe going on and, and establishing her imagination. Not making light of the tragedy that has obviously befalled this person. Yeah. But still doing it in a way that I guess was tasteful and not getting stuck in the depths of that. But are you meant to laugh? Because when, like, the mo- when her mother dies from someone falling on top of her, I'm like, is this meant to be funny? Like... I think it was just a way of not... not giving levity to the moment but just because it feels like it's trying to be a comedy i feel like it was trying to give an impact but in a short amount of time and that's what i feel like a lot of this right. movie tries to do it's like it's ambitious a kind of critic would say yeah it's like how do we give the impact that <laughs> that's such a bad <laughs> i forgive the pun how do we give the impact of this moment <laughs> without without getting stuck in the tragedy of it because every other film that does these openings gets stuck in whatever fucking thing happened oh, to the geez. kid right that was yeah. awful and granted it's awful but we, we, we're stuck in it for like at least 20 minutes like case in point like fucking Forrest Gump takes oh like 40 God. minutes before he becomes like Tom Hanks you know what yeah. I mean like but I like Child Forrest in that movie to be honest with you I, <laughs> I, 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 I do too but my point is is that you know <laughs> I love Sally Field you're a smart boy Forrest <laughs> just like as he gets taught he's dumb just walking out of the office so. I remember watching that film as a kid actually and the whole bit where she like it kind of went over my head as a kid like, yeah. not, like and not as a super young kid but I was probably like I don't know, eight to ten or something. And uh, I, I was watching this movie, and and and, and there's the uh, there's the scene where like she goes to the school principal, and he's like, "Is there a Mr. Gump?" <laughs> Mrs. Gump and then like the next scene like you know they're clearly having sex and Forrest is like out on the porch yeah like, listening to him grind and whatnot and like I was like oh I don't get that but as an adult I was like holy shit like <laughs> that is just like you know I know she that, sleeps like, with them to keep Forrest in school again. you're just like geez Sally Field like they really do like you and then like he comes out of the house like with his little washcloth thing and he's like your mother sure does care about your education son you don't <laughs> talk much do you and then, he, and then and he starts like imitating his sex noises and you're like oh jeez oh, yeah Right. <laughs> oh, oh, geez, little forest. Yeah, Watch it's out. never really yeah. touched on again, is it? It's kind of brushed over oh. the fact that she does that. And then, like the next scene, he's like having a chat with Elvis in like the guest bedroom. You're just like, what is, what is this kid yeah, being exposed right. to? It's like, like <laughs> uh, yeah. I reckon him and Child Emily would get along quite well. Just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Speaking of which, going back to the initial impact, impactful moment. Yeah, of the mother being quite literally impacted. What a horrific like. Like, could you imagine being her? Like, oh, and having to witness that and live oh. through that? Like, You're living in Notre Dame. It's still standing by that point. And then next minute, like, someone, like, just commits suicide and lands on your mother. You're just like, oh, have you seen In Bruges? Yes. Oh, Christ. It's, yes, I have. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not that far from Mad Eye falling, is it? Just like. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's, that's, the yeah. That what a what a moment that that's a great movie in Bruges. We're talking about all these oh. other movies as well. In Bruges is so good, dude. That's, like, that's so bloody good. The the whole scene, like my I think my favorite scene in that film is the one Actually, Ray Fiennes is awesome in that movie, first yeah. of all. But my one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes in that movie is the one where Mad Eye Brendan Gleeson, <laughs> Brendan Brendan Gleeson, yeah, is uh been ordered to like you know take out Colin Farrell and he and he's coming up behind him basically at the at the park yeah. and then it's just like the the like Colin's gonna commit suicide and like pulls the gun to his head and then Brendan like still like stops him from like committing suicide even though he's ordered to like kill like you know one of his mates yeah. and they have this weird scene where it's like wait were you gonna assassinate me wait were you gonna kill yourself and they're like <laughs> which one's worse and it's such a good scene oh. like that movie is so freaking 
good. That's man. a good. Everyone movie, watching man. Bruges, it's oh, it's awesome. Watching Bruges, yeah. it's way better than Emily, and it's like, oh, I kind of wish there was a moment though. Emily had that, just like I can imagine, like Emily being on the roof, and she's like, "Are oh, you gonna jump?" And the guy's like, "Oh, like I can so see Emily being in that kind of situation." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just in terms of screenplay for in Bruges as well. Like, it's so intelligent, like how like it sets things up. Say with like the dwarf dude right oh yeah you know, and the kid that's like uh, sorry spoilers for in bruges but and like you know at the start with the that he accidentally kills the the altar boy or whatever and then yeah. that unlocks like ray finds this whole like thing of like you can't kill a child like no matter what it's the worst crime you can do and at the end where he thinks he's killed the child but he's actually shot the dwarf and then like he kills himself in the moment and you're like this is so fucked up but oh. it's really intelligent and like well put together and it is because it's just, it's just it feels almost cohen in the way that it's just like a bunch of people just fucking up from like really easy mistakes that they just could have avoided like exactly yeah 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 it's it's brilliant martin mcdonough what a what a writer what oh a, what a he's guy. so bloody good i'm still livid that bloody um ebbing didn't win best picture i'll tell you what really yeah see i didn't think it was best picture for me i think it was like best screenplay it didn't even win best screenplay did it no, it, it won get out one didn't it something yeah like that. that was the yeah. Year get out one god yeah. francis was so good in that yeah she was she was awesome sam rockwell was great uh woody harrelson was awesome I know. everyone was great in that movie so good man we're just about better films than Amelie, but like... I know, I know. But there, there's some good moments in this movie. I like the scene where she helped the, the, the blind man, you know, cross the road and then proceeded to, like, take him through half of fucking Paris. <laughs> like, that was Here's fun. the thing, though, dude. That was one of the scenes I was like, do we need this, really? Yeah, like, it was... Like, there's a lot of inconsequential shit It was shit nice, it was sweet. But that's kind of like the movie in general. Did we need this? <laughs> like, yeah, because, because like, honestly, like, that whole dude that, like, receives the box, right? That, yeah. that, that she finds ridiculous when Princess I thought it was going to segue to like Jumanji at one point like she'd hear like the beating of the drums in the wall like <laughs> <laughs> she just pulls out the board game Robin Williams jumps out it'd be but great. it's so stupid she sees the news that Princess Diana has uh, passed away yes which is a reoccurring motif she drops an item and it rolls across the floor and it and it somehow has the force to dislodge a tile that's yeah. like been embedded in a wall for years right that's granted already this movie's loose. openly surrealist though like it's not trying to be real like, yeah she, she finds this secret little hole that's got this box in it right it's got all this childhood shit it from this guy she does some investigating goes to her neighbor who's the painter and then finds out some information finds the dude who owned this box as a child yeah. and gets it into his possession again and he has this real emotional moment and tr- decides to reconnect with his family and it's a beautiful moment and it was really yeah. impactful and i was like that was awesome that that was really fulfilling apparently there's a lot of payphones around paris in the late 90s but then my point is is that <laughs> Is that it sets her on this kind of uh, this quest? Yeah, exactly. To do good and to you know to be a good person. <laughs> she becomes the Superman. But nothing ever lives up to that first thing she does. No, this point is the best thing that she does at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love at the end of the movie how like you know you see kind of like this is my other one of my other favorite moments is like mm. the montage of kind of you know all the good she's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see you see that dude like reconnecting with his family, and I was like, oh man, that's awesome. And then I realized I was more invested in him than I was in yeah. almost every other character in the movie like i love emily don't get me wrong but i mean like all the other side stuff that's going on uh, that was the best one just, and it was the first one I, I did like her shenanigans how she like made like like the the really annoying um fruit shopkeeper like mrs Schiff, like the diabolical like like fucking up his house completely like i kind of got around that because i'm like you like you're you're evil <laughs> like, like like that's some like <laughs> neck level shit like changing his door handles and that kind of stuff but like you know like outside that like i just oh man i just hated the subplot with like the, the cafe woman and like like the 
the guy who was crippling yep. on the audio tape. I'm like, I don't want any of this. Like, it's just... oh, and, yep. and, cra- and when they finally have sex and it's the loudest sex at the cafe, I'm like, they're always about to knock over all the bloody cups and like... Yeah, man. I- I'm totally there with you. That was that was my least favorite one. The romance in the in the cafe was just... When she's like trying to set him up or whatever and isn't she like a hypochondriac or something? And it's Yeah. Like, and, and then I just like, he was just a bit of a like a dick as well. Like I yeah. was like, oh. And so like, I, yeah, I just didn't really care for them as a couple. And then it's like, oh, she got them together and you're like, well, awesome. And then we just leave it. We just yeet uh, out of there and yes, uh, move on with our lives. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, to be honest with you, I feel like two hands did what this film is trying to do better in the sense of like we kind of got this vignette on a city and we see all these different kind of plots kind of interweave with each other and like we kind of see how these characters are trying to find something for themselves you know what i mean yeah could you imagine though if emily's on on, on the two hands tangent if emily's like dead mother was like a ghost that was always <laughs> like narrating the story oh and being God. like hey guys hey guys you know like emily's doing this now but you know she really probably shouldn't be but <laughs> here we are <laughs> I'm a dead mum, by the way. And you're like, oh, God. Still, uh, like, dude, two hands, two hands did a number on me of, like, that brother was, like, the worst, the worst idea. Whoever came up with that, you know, should have been fired and that should have been cut out. It was just terrible. It was horrendous, man. Like, but in saying that, like, two hands is a movie. Kind of, like, that, you know, gives us vignette on the city through these quirky characters. So, like, I could see what it's trying to do. I totally agree. I think, I think it's, I think it's a great point. Do you love that the spooky do coaster is in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. I do love it. And uh, I wish I could ride the Scooby-Doo coaster right now, in fact. Now, Brenton, how would you react if you were riding a roller coaster, then suddenly one of the staff members dressed in a little skeleton outfit suddenly wrapped them their bodies around you and started spooking you? How would you react as a tourist on this roller coaster? Uh, It depends on the age. I think if I was a child, I would be absolutely terrified. If I was myself right here and now (laughs) and it it happened, I was on the roller coaster and it 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 was happening. I think I'd just be like quite concerned for their safety to be honest like <laughs> waiting for that one guy who rides the roller coaster who's just gonna punch him in the face the second he gets touched no sit down and buckle up like you're gonna hurt yourself <laughs> oh jeez, I, I was watching that going like that's just a lawsuit waiting to happen i don't know there are there are good moments in this movie though brenton like you know what i, I didn't think i was invested in the boyfriend until the end i was really invested in the boyfriend i'm like you know what when did you become invested right like right right at the end where like he where, like, the old French guy with the camera who's just fucking about the whole movie, he's like, he, like, leaves a weird-ass message on, like, Emily's, like, shitty television being like, Emily, don't fuck this up. You've been fucking it up the whole movie. I've been trying to paint the whole movie and you've just been fucking it up. Tell him you love him. And she's like, okay, television. And so she, like, walks up to the door and the guy, like, it's, it's a very rom-com in a way. The guy never left. He's there at the door waiting. So cliche almost. Yeah. And they have what I would argue to be probably one of the most romantic kisses in a movie. A very beautiful kind of soft kind of peck on the cheek. Like, it's very sweet. I'm going to talk about that scene a little later on. Ooh, uh, okay. Just so, just so you know, it's going to come up again. I'm very but excited. Yes, very personal moment between the two of them. But then, Nathan, this is the other... I've got a note here that has to talk about... I just have to talk about this. Like, Please. the very end of the movie, we get the montage, and then we get this scene where they're fucking riding a bike together. She's on the back of it. There's no helmets involved. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's uh, no helmets involved, oh like, at God. all. And I hate this in movies. Like, fucking safety first, you know? Like, holy shit. Oh. Like, they're, they're whizzing down. They would be murdered on the Arc de Triomphe roundabout. Oh, I'll tell you what. And here's the worst part. 
during like all this fun, like, oh, we're so romantic and I'm in a relationship now. She starts like covering his eyes when he's trying to ride the fucking bike. Oh my bike. God. I'm sorry. I don't care if you are my significant other. If I'm riding down the hillside on a fucking bike going at, I don't know, 40 Ks an hour and you cover my eyes, I am pushing you off and you can oh. like fall on the ground and I like, seriously, what the heck is wrong with you? Man. Like, I get it's meant to be fun and oh, ha, ha, ha. That's not funny. <laughs> Like that is a that hazard. is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Oh, there's just so many lawsuits in this movie, Brenton. But you're right. Like to be <laughs> to be honest with you, like watching that, I think it would have been really funny if they just suddenly crashed and died, and that's how the movie ended. <laughs> just like, just like you think it's going oh, this real hopeful shit. direction, and then the film just becomes really nihilist. Like, like oh, we all fuck up eventually. Like, uh we're all we're all gonna die someday. Uh, and then Emily, roll credits. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. They're like these characters are very foolish for a lot of the movie, but like you shouldn't be posting photos of yourself around. Paris from a photo booth that's just asking for attention you don't need but Nathan like you said at the same time there are some great moments in this movie there are so it balances itself out it's it's perfectly balanced as it's there. like this podcast there are some good moments yeah Exactly. <laughs> and there's some moments and there's some moments that are definitely uh You're just you're just shouting lawsuit <laughs> waiting to happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> special segments. Special segments Ooh, so special. I said I was gonna talk about this scene later on in the show. And here so we let's are. Let's talk about which character was the most crazy in this movie. Uh. So <laughs> I love the segment. <laughs> We're bringing it back. Yeah. We're bringing it back. And this is a tough one because there's a lot of crazy characters in this film. Aren't there? But for me, you were like, oh, what a romantic scene when they started kissing each other. And I agree. When there was that sensual moment and it was just like this beautiful, romantic it little like, pecks on it the cheeks. It was so lovely. Like, but it got weird, dude. Oh, it got pretty it? crazy when like when he started kissing like the inside of like like her eyelid like yeah. section basically and there were like kisses in parts like and I and I think it was I, was I was just like this is getting weird now you know what I mean and like I get their connections meant to be a bit off off like left they're of both, center, you know, yeah, left of center souls, finding harmony, all that. But I was like, if anyone else was like, just like watching this on the street, right? And you saw someone kiss someone like that, you would think they were absolutely <laughs> nuts. Like, let's, yeah, you'd be like, come on, let's let's not beat around the bush. And so I actually was like inspired to go on YouTube and to look up this scene. Oh right? goodness! And to just look through the comments to what people oh, said, and it varied. It was it was all over the place. Oh really? Kind of like a review for this film. Yeah, it, it was like people being like, there was like this really, I, I wrote it down, there was like this romantic one being like, oh, like, you know, I can imagine that in years time that like this will become like a staple of their relationship. Like when they make love, they'll always, they'll always Jesus. remember like this kiss. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a really romantic part of their relationship. And it's something that only they do as a couple. And like maybe one, and this is what the comment says, one day one of them will die first and like the other one, that will be their farewell to them. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right here. That's really romantic and it's brought out those feelings in you and then right. okay then there's this other comment that juxtaposes it c- completely and being like this was some kinky weird shit <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would be so funny if that cop was a direct response to the other one like oh that would just be perfect man that's also the internet in a nutshell this is romantic no it's kinky. exactly <laughs> it, uh. it, it, it's so funny it just made me laugh i was like i'm gonna see what other people think about this scene because like i i'm i'm undecided you know like on the one hand it starts off really romantic and then it gets really weird and i guess that kind of uh sums up emily it doesn't but it nathan though. who in your opinion was the craziest character in this film oh, there's so many crazy ones man like i almost thought like speaking of the kissing scene i thought that the young guy who was like filming it <laughs> like from the other window <laughs> yeah i thought he, he, there's yeah. something there's definitely something off about him i liked it honestly out of all the cr- there's so many crazy characters in this movie like the most normal was easily her father 
father, I think, out of all of them. But like, I like to think it's probably the shopkeeper, the fruit shopkeeper. Because yeah. like, what yep. idiot, what fucking idiot would like see his door handles change and then just go like, shrug? <laughs> then just like walk into his bathroom and just continue to go through the fuck upery that he does. Twice as well, yep. may I point out. Like, absolute idiot. But I guess, Nathan, like, do you notice your door? I guess like your door handles like if if your handle has been changed to a knob you'd notice it yes but yes if it's just another handle that looks you know like maybe maybe you don't notice that look i think my housemates were doing some like weird shit and i'm like okay fair enough like i've seen weirder things happen in the house but like at the end of the day i'd still i'd still ask a question you know what i mean it's like that's exactly right if you note something like that you're still gonna go this is odd and i don't know i don't know if i'd follow through with it i i do agree with that also i have like minor ocd when it comes to like my things in like a shared house so like i will know for example if like because i perfectly lay out my things i will know in the bathroom if someone's moved something like i i, I will tell if someone's yeah. like slightly altered my toothbrush or like you know the soap's been totally. used it's like and on the anyway I, I i share my shit but like at the end of the day i'll, I, I'll just know so i'll be aware if i feel like if emily you know she wanted to macaulay corkin and you know try and get me out of my own home i feel like i would be aware of the antics she was trying to pull totally and i feel like i feel like that's a healthy way to be nathan like i don't think there's anything wrong with being like oh like something's changed in my house like i i should probably note that right yeah man the feng shui is off otherwise you'll end up like this guy <laughs> exactly <laughs> sleeping on a pile of cabbages oh hey nathan going on to another special segment oh yes which two characters should have kissed in this film oh now there's a lot of good candidates for this one Brenton have you got one up your sleeve I do oh, but good. I'd like to hear yours first because I, I went first last time so. right okay honestly out of all the characters that should have kissed because there's a lot of romance going on in this movie I kind of wish that when like the man got the his childhood box back in the phone booth and he kind of like holds holds up all his little trinkets I was kind of hoping for a little bit of smooch action there seeing him kind of <laughs> <laughs> seeing him kiss his box and you know just be like reconnected with his childhood yeah. possession and then when he goes to the bar and he's like oh I must have a guardian angel I was kind of waiting for like Emily just to walk over him and then like smack him on the lips herself whoa that would have certainly been a moment let me tell you that yeah. much and he probably would have been like who the heck are you and should have been like i'm your angel <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you meet people in paris Ah, uh, good times uh, uh in my opinion and we'll talk more about this relationship obviously later in the show as well in fact in the next segment after this one Ooh. which might be a good segue but i'll talk about it now the father with his gnomes i, I just wanted to hear see a good like a, a bit of tongue there you know what i mean just get in there <laughs> get dirty get get saucy because that was such a strong relationship a strong bond right there you know what i mean oh, mate. i just wanted to see it uh fulfilled you know to its full potential i completely agree man i, I, I don't think there's enough kissing gnome action in movies that's why my favorite film is gnomeo and juliet <laughs> oh yuck Yuck! I've never seen that movie, and I probably never will, uh, unless we unless you make me review it for the show in what eighteen years time. I want to uh, say I would. We would never do that, Brenton. As long as we live. Well, speaking of gnomes, shall we see what stills this movie? <laughs> Blinding. What stills this movie is that segment on the show where Nathan or myself or both of us together pick a still, a single frame from the film we are reviewing, and we pick the, that on the basis of it most of the time being funny, but it could also be a great piece of cinematography. Those stills get put in our social links, which are below. The still for this week, listeners, it's it's the stupidest thing in this movie, and this really is saying something. <laughs> this is this is where the film gets the most surrealist, because obviously there's no logical way of explaining this, but there's a subplot in this movie where, where the gnome, belonging, it's Emily's father's gnome, right? Yes. The gnome that he has, the garden gnome, because the father never travelled, he wanted to travel with his wife, it's, it's a little bit like um Up, actually. It's like Pixar's Up, you know, they, 
he won trouble with the wife, but then she died. Spoiled it for up. Emily is like, fuck, you gotta you gotta see the world, dad. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm gonna sit here miserable. So she ends up like sending the gnome <laughs> that's away. That's verbatim the dialogue as well. <laughs> that's that's exactly what they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Academy Award winning screenwriter. Anyway, so like so the so the gnome goes off and <laughs> the film's just flitted with these Polaroids that the gnome takes during its world travels. I don't know how this works, Brenton, but there's a shot in this movie where we see all of them stacked up against a little windowsill or against one of the paintings that the father has. And we see the gnome at bloody like Angkor Wat at like New York at Stonehenge, (laughs) like at the Taj Mahal at bloody Athens. It's it's all over the place, mate. So Nathan, which is your favourite out of uh, all these travel pics? Oh, listeners, you really need to look at this still. It's so fucking good. My kind, my one (laughs) out of all the gnomes, I kind of like the one on the bottom right in front of the Kremlin. Mm. Because it looks like the gnome's trying to pretend to be one of the towers. Yeah, he's trying to blend in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like no one will notice me. I am but a humble garden gnome. What about you? For me, it's actually the uh, the second uh, from the left on the bottom. Oh, the New one York, yeah, the Empire State Building. Yeah, because. Just just think, to take this Polaroid... How, in the first place? <laughs> no, he had to stand, like, on street level. So he's in he's in bustling New York City, right, on yeah. street level. He's holding a garden gnome with one hand and a Polaroid camera with the other, pointing it up and trying to get the perfect shot. Like, he uh. would have looked absolutely freaking crazy. But knowing New Yorkers, like, no one would have probably bat an eye. Like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, no, that's true. That's true. But what a funny image. Oh, man. It's just like... I also like that he's got... I also like that he's managed to get two in New York. So he's got the gnome with the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Like, standing next to it. And the gnome with the Empire State. He must have really loved New York. Yeah, the gnome got around New York, man. Like, this gnome's going places. Like, do you reckon the gnome goes and carry on? It's like it's got its own seat on the flights. I think it's in first class, mate. Do you reckon you can bring a garden gnome onto a flight? Like, if I rocked up into carry-on, right, and, like, I had it in my bag, how would security react? Like, do you reckon it's allowed? I think it's allowed. <laughs> I just think... <laughs> and yes, that is the weirdest thing I've said on this show so far. I, I actually don't think it would be questioned, though. Like, I think they'd just be like, oh, well, whatever. I think I think it would raise eyebrows at the very least. I think it would raise eyebrows, but I don't think they can stop you. I mean, like, what's... Could you use it as a weapon? Like, would the tip of the hat be too pointy? Do you reckon they'd have to Ooh. confiscate the gnome? No, it, it wouldn't be because the hat's too pointy. It'd be because... But then I guess, like, how do you... You'd have to throw it. You could maybe smash glass in the plane or something like that. Like... But if it's under the... But you could say the same thing really about a laptop. Like, you That's could true. club someone with a laptop and do some damage. That's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> you see a terrorist so, just carrying a bloody garden gnome onto a plane like they'll never guess here coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know like because on the one hand I'm like yeah it's it's quite a it'd be quite a hefty object that you could you know that you could do some damage with but yeah. there's a lot of other objects that you bring on carry on that could do just as much damage so I don't know dude how much money would I have to pay you to bring a garden gnome onto your next flight from like Sydney to like Brisbane or something not much <laughs> <laughs> you'd practically do it for free <laughs> but knowing like the Australian customs people they'd be like, what are you doing with your garden home? And you'd be like, oh, just delivering it to me mum. I'd be like, ah, yeah, fair dinkum. <laughs> They'd probably just let you cross anyway. Oh, yeah, I did the same thing two weeks ago, mate. There you go. <laughs> we get 10 bloody gnomes a day. It's like <laughs> Oh, that's that's a nice one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, off like all the confiscated like shampoos and like toothpastes. There's like a little box full of gnomes just like next to it. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. Uh, Too good. Well, hey. Hey. Should we look at this film's poster? Finally. Uh, Blenton. Yes. Let's look at this film's poster. But is it art? 
Egypt. Oh, uh, so this is it. This is the poster that was on the French classroom for, uh, for like nine years. And also like everywhere, man. This poster, it must be one yeah. of the most like replicated posters because it is everywhere. So on the one hand, there's that, right? What an amazing poster in the sense of like it's managed to capture... I mean, with the expression Amelie Pulse, how could you not be captured? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's captured the interest of so many so that we, we this poster is stuck out in our minds at least. Yeah. But dude, here's my question for you. This is what I wanted to ask you at the start of the show. When you saw this poster, what did you think this movie was? What did you think the genre was? And what did you think it was about? Dude, I have no clue. This poster gives nothing thing away because it's just her in this little red like top just with the green background like and it just says like you know the fabulous life of Amélie Poulain so like I've just I presume it looks as though she's up to no good frankly it looks as though she's about to yeah. stir some shit. It's kind of weird that the movie's about her kind of doing the opposite. Yeah, totally. What did you think, man? It's, <laughs> this is what I literally thought this movie was when I when I saw this poster right. for a while. So I was like, oh, it's like a French horror film, right? Or like a French <laughs> scary movie. Yes. And I was like, so Emily, who is pictured here, is clearly like either a vampire, a witch, or a mix of both. <laughs> right? And this movie's gonna be about her, like, fucking doing some witchy, vampire shit. Oh, my God. And, and going around Paris and just, you know, taking people out left, right, and center. And maybe it'd have, like, a, a little bit of a comedic tone as well. Because she looks nuts. Like, like the, the color grading in this makes her skin look so pale. Jeez. Like, the hair on her looks so black. It looks like a wig, frankly. Yeah. And they've made her eyes so dark and her lips so red that, of course, she looks like one of Edward Cullen's cousins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Okay, so what if, what if like, in when they go to the Vatican in, like, the Twilight series? What if, like, when you know... <laughs> <laughs> What if, what if when they head over there, just amongst all the, you know, the yep. vampires and robes, there's Amelie ready to stir some shit? Hey, man, I think she'd fit right in, to be perfectly I honest. Maybe would. maybe, maybe this is the prequel to Twilight, you know? Could you imagine? Jesus. The, you know what? Her boyfriend kind of looks a little bit like Ed Cullen. Hey, you're not wrong. That's true. It could be the French version of that. I know what you are. Say it. French. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but having said all that, Nathan, what I just said of what, what I initially thought this movie was when I was like... A young lad. I think it's a good poster. I think, you know, I it think it's it, um, its job, doesn't has obviously it? Like, done its job. Yeah. So, yeah. We can't change it. It's like, it's probably half the reason we watched this in the first place, besides the fact how famous this movie is. Exactly. The poster is striking. Like, there's no way to get around it. Well, title talk. <laughs> oh, it's the title. Emily. I mean, she was in the movie a fair bit, wasn't she? I mean, if you want to go with the she full title, was. if you want to go with the full title, it's The Fabulous Life of Emily Poulain. You know, or the fabulous destiny of Emily Poulain. So, like, was it fabulous? Not really. No. <laughs> I'm just no. going to say it. If I sat down it with wasn't. Emily at a cafe and I said, how's your day? And like, she told me this little story. I'm like, oh, there's a <laughs> lot of bullshit in here, man. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know half of this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that to her face as well? I don't know. That, was, that sounded like a whole lot of bullshit, to be honest. Oh, dude, the amount of close friends I've said that shit to, <laughs> I am blunt with that. <laughs> uh, I'd, say, I'd say to Emily's face, and she'd, you know, she'd probably, you know, try and hook me up with a shopkeeper. I don't know. No, so that's that's Emily. Yeah. She just can't stop helping. Yeah, she would probably find the love of your life, mate. Oh, I wish. Oh, I would love to go to Paris and just have Emily, you know, meet some French girl there. That, that's literally the dream. I know what, what, what Audrey's up to these days, the actress, but but she needs to get on it. What if the title was Emily the Matchmaker? Oh, I would, dude. I would love that. And I'd love it if it just like perfectly segued into like Fiddler on the Roof, where like, you know, she's walking yeah. around like the streets of Paris. She's like, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. And she's just like shoving people together in Paris. It'd be great. Hey, Nathan. Yes. I just realized we didn't do the Aussie special segment. Oh, Brenton, look at you with your sharp memory. Well done, buddy. Oh, you got Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, mate. I, I do my best here on classic movie banter. You know what I mean? That's why I'm, oh. that's why I'm listed as, as co-host on the show. You know what I mean? Here's a croissant fresh from the oven, mate. Just just in time for you. So <laughs> I'm going to slide that over the table. And uh, while we're looking at that, we'll, we'll, we'll shove this in here and now. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Nathan, here's my question. What suburb in all of Australia would you set, like, the Amelie equivalent film? Oh, my goodness. Okay. For, the, for an Australian audience. Because I, I know straight off the bat where I'm setting it, but uh, but I want to hear your. Well, opinion. to answer the, the pertinent question of the segment, should this be remake? Should this what what is it like? Should this have an Australian remake or whatever it is? Oh no, or should this be set in Australia? Yeah. Whatever we decide it is, the the suburb it should be set in. Oh, it has to be in Sydney, right? Yeah, exactly. It yeah. does. Are you thinking Bondi? No, oh. no, I'm not. Glebe? <laughs> no, close, oh. but no. Oh, oh, bloody um, Oxford Street, you like um, Kings Cross? No, no, oh. no. no. What are you thinking? No, that's a good candidate. I'm thinking Newtown, dude. I reckon why oh, not? Oh, yeah, Newtown. Newtown would be perfect for it. Yeah, yeah, true. I think Newtown or even like Leichhardt or something like that, like Norton Street. But I think yeah. I think Newtown has got it covered. Because oh. you can do like the main strip of Newtown where like all the restaurants and shit are, but you can also do like all the suburban area that's just kind of yeah, tucked true. behind it. And there's some, there's some colourful characters around Newtown as well. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, you could so easily do this in Sydney. I mean, they kind of already have. It's called Two Hands, but like, you know, you could easily, you could easily do <laughs> yeah. but you could easily do like a version of this here. Like, I, this would be so easy to localise. Like, I'm surprised it hasn't been done. Like, oh, you could easily do it in Sydney. Yeah. I'd even, I'd, I'd, I could even see like a Gold Coast version of it, like a little beachy, like. Where would it be? Like, broad, broad Broad Beach? Broad Beach or something like that? I, don't know. I would like even Burley. love it if you like you started at one end of like the coast and had to go down to the other side. It's just like Emily like going around walking down the beach for like ten kilometers and just like bumping into all these side <laughs> characters, you know, just trying to help him. Like they caught sure, Emily's man. morning walk or something. Like it'd be great. Yeah, sounds good, dude. I'm 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 all on board for that. Oh. Let's uh let's Aussie it up. It's what the people want. And speaking of them. Good segue, dude. Well done. Pat on the back for oh, Nathan. Now then. I get the croissant. Let's pass it to the people. <laughs> Pass it here. What? The power to the people. So if you guys head on over to the uh, tomato meter, you will see that Amelie has a critical consensus of 89% with an audience score. Get this, Nathan, an audience score of 95%. They're Oy. big numbers, dude. Boy, that That's is high. high. Yeah, that is high. Not as high as John A. Nesbitt from Old School Reviews, who liked it, Brenton. <laughs> he gave it a B and said, sometimes it's enough to attend the cinema to escape to another world. Is, is he referring to uh, Emily's Paris as uh, another world? I think so. That place existed. <laughs> like, like, you can buy flight tickets to there now. Like, it's not another planet we're going to, you know what I mean? This, yeah. this isn't sci-fi. Come on, come on, John. But it's true. I mean, this is not what the real world... I mean, if you rock up to Paris as a tourist, you're going to get the Emily experience, but, you know, you still get some shit like yeah exactly yeah oh and by the way this this movie made bank cost 10 mil to make made 170 good on you french people you're, you're getting some francs yeah well done keith phipps from av club didn't like it he gave it a rotten review oh no and he says amelie contains enough material for a dozen or so charming shorts but stretched to feature length the whimsy grows weariss- uh, wearisome and the film delights far less than it seems to desire mm. see he's echoing what we said it's like a dozen charming shorts like could you see this is almost as like a limited series could you see like netflix doing something like this yeah i could i could but i think it would overstay its welcome at the same time because just think like each of those episodes would be like 40 minutes so we're now on long i don't know if that would work it could but I'd, yeah again i think it would be an issue of pacing again like like the movie itself and while we're here brenton i do also want to remind our listeners what part of the reason that we're doing this today is because yesterday was the was the actual 20th anniversary of emily so happy birthday emily so maybe you will get adapted ad- adapted again sometime soon happy birthday emily congratulations she's finally a woman of 20 <laughs> she can meet that frenchman do you reckon there'll ever be a sequel like 20 years in the future that'd be interesting she's just <laughs> don't walk out of churches you have to look up every time <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, let's let's look at Jeremy Hellman from MovieMartyT.com <laughs> didn't like 
it either, Brenton. 1.5 out of 4. <laughs> said, the world of Amelie has no politics. It has no issues. It only has an exaggerated sense of quirkiness and a pea green tint that suggests an overblown sense of nostalgia for childhood. Good point. It is childish in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. But I kind of like that about it. I don't think Jeremy yeah. likes the whimsical uh, nostalgia for, for childhood. No. He's like... If you look at his photo, he looks very grumpy. <laughs> he, he looks like he likes that adult lifestyle. He's like, nah, none of that childhood shit. I'm an adult. Young A watched the film and he gave it five stars and said, one of the best French films I watched. Yeah, probably. Maybe. I don't know. It's subjective, I suppose. Nathan, you disagree with that statement, though, because you named like four other French films that are better than this I one. did. I did. And I will do it again because if, if you want to get into French cinema, first watch Amour. It's probably the best French film I've seen. It's from 2012. It's about an old couple <laughs> being in love in Paris, but one of them's, you know, dying because they're old. Um, if you like that, watch um, an animated film on Netflix. It's called I Lost My Body. It's about a guy who um, loses his hand and his hand literally just comes to life and starts crawling about Paris. It's amazing. And if you want a feel good one, watch The Untouchables. It's about a guy helping out another guy in a wheelchair. So get around that. The shame of this uh, whole episode has been that I didn't mention at the start is that there's a fun drinking game that you could do, play with this episode. It's every time Nathan mentions a more, take a shot. Um, anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> because I'm looking for a Brenton. Oh. <laughs> Muhammad S. also gave it five stars and said, can help with your depression. Oh, I probably could. I mean, life isn't as shit as Amelie, so, you know, <laughs> always look up. What if you went to a psychiatrist and they said, you know what? I <laughs> describe you a viewing of Amelie. Oh, I would be like, I want a refund, man. Like... <laughs> I know Medicare probably covers this, but I still want my money back. (laughs) (laughs) Medicare covers Emily. (laughs) No wonder the taxpayers losing their dollars. Uh, Jeffrey S gave it five stars. Oh, you'll like this one, Brenton. Jeffrey S said, this is one movie that needs to be dubbed in English with French accents, of course. Fast moving and beautiful images could be appreciated so much more without the distraction of subtitles. Well, there you bloody go, mate. You're not alone. Jeffrey S, you, you said it, mate. Like, that sums up my feelings uh, to a T. Juan Pablo uh, says the character looks like from a horror film, but it's an excellent film. I mean, again, you're just e- echoing thoughts of, did you write this comment, Brenton? Are you Juan Pablo? <laughs> is that your Spanish alias? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what my alias is online? Juan. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most like Spanish name you could have come up with as well. Juan Pablo. <laughs> like It's just like two fr- <laughs> Spanish first names. Like, it's definitely fake. I love Sanjeev's comment on YouTube. He said, Willy Wonka goes town. Because you know what? Visually, I can see some parallels with Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka and Amelie. They're not too dissimilar looking, are they? No, not necessarily. I feel like if, if it was revealed that she went on to create a candy empire, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it would still make some sort of sense. Oh, absolutely. I could so see her being the French Willy Wonka. Like, she's just walking about the streets of Paris and she just, like, headbutts the glass elevator. Like, it'd be great. Or, like, she's, like, you know, she goes right back to old Jean and, like, you know, it's just, like, one day you, like, think she's like, oh, look at this old lady. Oh, she looks so decrepit. She's got a frame. And suddenly she does a little somersault and rolls out of it. It's like, hey, everyone, I'm going to fix your life. That would be the most horrifying thing, being stuck in a bed with Amelie. Jesus, could you imagine? Just <laughs> Oh, get me out of here. Oh. To finish off, Mike Fly uh, commented three years ago and said, Roger Ebert said that this is the kind of movie that when you think about it later, you smile. I seriously can't see anyone not absolutely loving this movie. He must be blind because here we are, Brenton. <laughs> We're not anyone, oh, Here are we? we are indeed. Oh, no. Here we are indeed. Uh, because, Nathan, that was Emily. There she goes. So she's still up to no good. Well, thank you, Sophie, for that wonderful suggestion for us to watch Emily. We do appreciate it. And uh, and thanks for listening, team. <laughs> we did it. We all we all <laughs> banded together. <laughs> we all got through Emily. Thank you for listening. And uh, like, like I said, we said at the start of the show, if you want to email us 
us any more suggestions, uh, feel free to get the email and, and, and write in. Please do, because we love to hear what you think. Mm. But for now, Nathan... Any final thoughts? Any any sign-off points you want to make? I'm enjoying the fact that we've been doing this all on the top of the Eiffel Tower. The tourists have been very forgiving of us, considering we've, we've hogged the viewing spot for, like, you know, over an hour now. So <laughs> maybe we should let some other tourists get some snapshots of the view. Yeah, I mean, like, we're getting some pretty dirty looks, which I can't understand why. I mean, I thought this was pretty entertaining, if I'm being honest. I know. Well, wait a minute. There's, there's a little gnome there, Brenton. He wants us to get a photo of him. Oh, might as well, hey? No, no, no Brenton, put the gnome down. Brenton, Bre- not oh. near the edge. Oh, come on. Brenton. Come on, please. Brenton, no, please. no. Harold, Harold just wants a photo, Nathan. It's sli- He's slipping. Oh, oh no, Brenton. Oh, no, Harold, Harold, ah! no. Well, at least we got a Polaroid out of this. <laughs>